So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I have a very unique, I guess I would say, uh, guest today, uh, for me anyway, because I am not into surfing, but I believe, from what I understand, I have the best, uh, Shane Dorian, on the podcast. What's what's going on? Hey, good morning, man. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be on. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, Kind of interesting. I've followed along, uh, you know, with, with your career, and then, you know, you were on um, Rogan and, and on social media and everything else, but, you know, I've never been, you know, into surfing other than, than watching it, but uh, I, I had told a few people, I think I'm going to have Shane, Do- you're a fucking legend, man. Like, I, we're in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, and people were like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, he's hopping on the podcast. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, it's a small world. I mean, I think we have a lot in common. And um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I love Wyoming. I've, I've been, I've been, I've been snowboarding in Jackson Hole since I was, you know, like in my twenties. So, um, really love it out there. I've never actually hunted in Wyoming, so that's on my list. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, tell uh, tell everybody that's uh, you know redneck like me and doesn't know everything about surfing. Um, a little bit about like your your history and and what you've done in that world, and as well as you know hunting and everything else. Yeah. So, uh, brief history is, um, I was born and raised, uh, in a little town, um, called Kona in Hawaii. And yeah, just, just like a, like a kid growing up in Hawaii, it was kind of not a whole lot to do besides surfing. And my, my parents, uh, ran a little restaurant that was right on the ocean. And so I learned to, like, as soon as I learned to walk, I like learned to swim. I started riding waves and fishing and diving and just my whole life was in the ocean. And I ended up, um, my father, uh, ended up cutting one of his old, really long surfboards down into like my size on, um, on my fifth birthday. So I got that surfboard for my fifth birthday and fell in love with surfing and kind of never looked back. It was like the thing that I always, you know, kind of turned to like throughout like my, you know, high school year, like, like my, like, like my pre high school years and my high school years, I just was obsessed. That's kind of all I cared about. Um, and yeah, so started surfing competitively, uh, and did, did like, like a lot of contests throughout my high school years. And then I turned professional soon out of high school and I started traveling like around the world trying to qualify for the world tour, which is kind of like this international, you know, championship tour where you're trying to win a world title at all these contests. And so, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I kind of traveled the world being a competitive surfer for 11 or 12 years straight, um, spent, you know, probably 10 plus months, uh, out of the country per year. Um, lots of fun, uh, you know, like all throughout my twenties and early thirties, I was doing that. And then, yeah, I, I, I kind of got burnt out on the competition thing in my early thirties. And, and then I kind of shifted gears and, and really focused on surfing really big waves. So I, I became obsessed with kind of uh, chasing the biggest swells around the world, trying to, trying to ride the biggest, scariest waves I possibly could. And that was kind of, you know, like my passion, you know, like sort of ever since. And, 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 and these days I'm, I've kind of slowed down a bit. I'm 51. And so I'd still love to surf still love surfing just as much as I ever have. And, um, but I'm kind of on the, on the other end of it now where I'm kind of slowing down. I'm not, not trying to chase the biggest waves in the world. And, um, I got a great wife and a couple kids and I still live in Hawaii. And, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really obsessed with bow hunting as well. So, <laughs> well, so yeah, and, that's, that's kind of like a history. You know, and oddly, oddly enough, how, um, I, I linked up with you as I was actually looking at, uh, at e-bikes and well, I mean, when I say looking at e-bikes, I, I've had a couple of e-bikes before and, and, uh, you know, recently with kind of what the way I'm, what I'm doing, where I'm going, especially here in Wyoming, as well as traveling around, you know, I really didn't want to get, um, uh, a dirt bike, uh, per se. I didn't want to really mess with that. So I was looking like, maybe I should get another e-bike. And then I saw when I was actually looking that you were just, when you were on Rogan, a link to an e-bike company and then asked you some questions and, and got one ordered. But t- 
what what was I haven't been able to like what was your affiliation with that? Because I'm I would imagine you use the shit out of those in Hawaii. Yeah, so so you know, so I've had e bikes in the past, you know, just 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 in general, like you know, they're great for surfing. I just like throw a surf rack on it, and you can go like drive to the beach, go surfing, and lock it up. You don't have to look for parking, so they're they're very convenient, fun, and um. It was really, really random because I'm, I'm super into bow hunting, but I've never really used an e-bike to go bow hunting. And um, and so one day, a friend of mine who I've worked with in the surfing industry for 20 years called me and he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm working for this e-bike company and we're, we're developing like some really cool off-road e-bikes. And, and he's like, can I send you one and you can kind of test it out, put it through the ringer. And so he sent me one and I was blown away uh, the performance and just there, there's a lot of really cool um, parts of the bike. And he was like, we really want to develop a hunting bike, like a, like a, like a bike specifically for hunting, but lots of cool accessories and everything you'd ever really want as a hunter. Would you be stoked to get on board and try and help us with that? And so for me, it was such a strange um, kind of a strange opportunity, but I was really excited because I am really passionate about bow hunting and, you know, I love gear and, you know, I, I love I, the, the thought of, of helping develop something that I could use personally and, and, um, and, and, you know, get really into, um, was a lot of fun. And so we, you know, we kind of went over a ton of ideas. I kept just sending, sending those guys ideas and kind of going back and forth with accessories. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we came up with something really cool it just launched this this hunt bike from Ubco. It's, it's it's kind of a funny name. It's UBCO, and um, <clears throat> the the bike's got a lot of cool stuff happening with it. Um, uh, you know, it has like a seventy five mile range, which is pretty wild. Um, I mean, I I rode the bike in Hawaii. I, I don't know. Again, I I went I went hunting in Hawaii like a bunch with the bike, and it was it's I don't know. It's it has like I mean, there's a lot of e-bikes out there, right? But most of them are like basically like kind of a crappy mountain bike with a with a motor on it and and a battery. Um, but you know, this bike has has really good suspension. Has like these really cool uh, cargo decks. So like, I'm able to bring like literally all of my hunting gear, all of my camping gear, my soft Yeti big cooler um, that is full of like 50 pounds of ice. Um, and like my tree stand, I'd literally bring everything with me in one go, which is kind of wild. And, and, you know, the, the suspension's crazy. The traction's crazy. Um, it has tons of torque and power. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we came up with something that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that, uh, where I was looking at this, where it's like deactivated, you know, roads or, you know, what, whatever, like, uh, one of the things you got to look at, um, when you're hunting people's land, that when there's there's a drought is um exhaust fires so you can get those yep. you know with any whether that's a can-am or anything else and i have a can-am i, I love the can-am but you know i was looking at something less ob- obtrusive and then i was also looking at something that was lighter weight so like i have a bronco raptor um now and i actually which i hadn't talked to you about this can manufacture that bad boy on the back of it, just like you would a mountain bike. And it's only, yeah. um, you know, and I say this, I don't have the bike yet. This, this conversation spurred because of me ordering the bike. So where my mind was at is, okay, you know, it's 150, I'm going to pull it up here, uh, 156 pounds. So I, I, I was thinking for some reason, my brain was 170, but either way I can pick that up myself easily enough, put it on the back of the Bronco. And then I don't have to worry about exhaust fires. I can get another, an extra, you know, as far as there's a fast charge battery, if I need extra batteries, it's, it's again, very low, um, impact, very, very quiet. So like with bow hunting, you know, let's say in Alberta, Eastern Colorado, you know, you can zip around on that bike with a large amount of gear and you could backpack hunt with it. So where my brain was at, obviously, was all of those things. I don't mind riding with a decent amount of weight on my back, but I can take a lot of that weight because of the panel, the cargo systems on it. So pretty insane. I mean, I was excited about it and I generally am not excited about e-bikes, but this one is not your standard e-bike. Um yeah, it's crazy. So it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's so different. 
it's it's really hard to put it in that same category. You know, I mean, I don't I don't want to overhype it, but I've I've ridden a lot of e-bikes um, in my time, and I've never really, you know, because the places I hunt in Hawaii, Hawaii is Hawaii has a lot of like lava rock and mud, and we get a lot of weather. Um, you know, we have everything from like real arid arid and rocky terrain to like you know dense rainforest and jungle and you know like rivers and streams and waterfalls and there's a lot of stuff happening here so i've never really like you know considered riding an e-bike to go hunting because you know as soon as you get off road those things are not really going to handle very well but yeah I i was super impressed with this bike um and it's fun it's just enabled me to do some really cool hunts like some some hunts i've always wanted to do in hawaii that are really remote and you know far back there where i do have access but it takes so long to walk and a lot of places in hawaii it's really difficult because um you know where the animals are a lot of times there's no rivers or streams so it's difficult there's no real water source back there and so you have to walk with all of your water with you so if you're hunting for three days you got to bring about 25 pounds of water um in your pack which which increases your pack weight by so much so it's so much fun to be able to to ride silently with all your gear all your water everything you'd really ever want um and get really deep deep in the woods and then you know on the last on the last hunt i did i ended up shooting two deer um way back there and i deboned them and packed them all out along with my tree stand along with all my my hunting and camping gear and no no one ever saw me no one ever heard me i was silent i just had like the best time ever (laughs) this is awesome well and i want to make sure people understand you are not pedaling this bike so like the e-bikes i've had i've i've had you know you have to pedal and it's just an extra you know it just takes less stress off of you but you're still pedaling this bike is actually one you ride without pedaling at all it's a it's a true what i would call i guess a bike and so when I was kind of wrapping my head around this, the decision wise, I have not ridden a dirt bike in a long, you know, time. And they, and, and, and not, I, I can't say now cause I haven't ridden them, but they're pretty loud. And so I looked at then the price point of, okay, if I was going to grab a dirt bikes for certain things and cause, cause the bike with what I ordered is around 6,500 bucks. Um, and that, I mean, that's a chunk of change, but in comparison to the dirt bikes yeah. I looked at, well, I will say like a, a Honda 250 is going to have more power. It's also louder and it's also heavy as shit. So it was an easy decision for what I was wanting. And also the muffler and, uh, you know, again, low impact when you're work, you're hunting in an area where drought is an issue. A lot of landowners will not let you drive in there, nor should they. I mean, that's their livelihood where with an e-bike, you do not have right. to worry about that fire. So, Yeah, that's right. Well, and try to bring like your tree stand, all your camping gear, all your hunting gear and a cooler um, on your Honda 250. Pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I just honestly, it was a non-starter. Once I looked at the weights and I looked at, I mean, I, I, I thought, well, for a minute, I'm like, I could get some kind of a system and, and, uh, try to build it up like a trail bike or whatever. And I was like, man, I, yeah. the, the muffler thing was the big one. Cause I've had so many landowners just say no, like they're nice. They're just like, yeah, I can't, I can't handle right. the, 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 you know, the, the chance of starting a fire. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That, that's, that, that's such a danger in so many places. It's so dry. Um, yeah, it, it's it's awesome, and, and then the and then the weight thing I was going to tell you, um, um, Aaron, when you do get your bike, the 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 battery slides right out of the battery area. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you'll see when you get your bike. But the battery is like half the weight of this bike, um, and it slides right out. So like when you're when you're when you're putting your bike in the back of your truck or putting it on a trailer, it's it. it it actually kind of it, it it decreases the weight by like nearly half when you take the battery out. So it's super, and it's it'll take you five seconds to take the battery off, and five seconds to put the battery back on. Well, and so I I, I looked the battery is also like half the price of the bike as as well, not half, but yeah, I think they're twenty five hundred bucks. And initially, I was actually going to order a backup battery. Then I'm like, man, I think it's seventy five hours. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to need a backup battery. So I figure, well, I'll wait and see if I end up needing a, a backup or yeah. not. I yeah, could, 75 miles, 75 miles, or 75 miles. But, yeah. That's a long but, way. <laughs> but I, but I rode my, my bike so far. Like, I mean, I rode my bike, like, um, I rode it 
from where I was staying, I rode it 30, about 35, 40 minutes on the highway. And then I, and then I entered my hunting area and, and drove a few miles up the mountain and hunted for three days. And then I drove back out with all my gear, with the two gear in my, in my cooler, with my tree stand and my hunting gear and my camping gear. <laughs> and then I drove another 35, 40 minutes back to where I was staying to my friend's house. And, and I still had like half my battery left at least. And it was wild. Like just, it, it was weird not, not having any, no, no fear that I wasn't going to have like enough range to get back to where I was going. You know, I just, it's just wild how long the battery lasts and how much torque and power it has. Um, yeah, I think you're going to be pretty fired up when you get your bike. Well, and before we get off the subject of the, of the bikes and talk about, you know, some of your history a little bit more, the, the one thing that, that this would be, I think like uh, outfitters for certain areas would really like this, but they're less, you know, less maintenance from my experience anyway. Um, and again, the noise. Yeah. So like, when you're, you know, whatever, whatever, like if I'm in Eastern Colorado, Alberta, South Dakota, and I'm dropped off on foot, right? Um, you can zip down with one of these, you know, a two track, you know, market, um, you know, on your Spartan Forge on X, whatever you're using, you can, you can drop that thing off, go cliff hop, look around, whatever, come back, zip down, do it again. And again, there's no noise. And when you come back, just have a charging station, charge your batteries up and you're, you're ready to go. When, when you're looking at this though, if, if, if anybody checks these out, one of the things that I like, like you were talking about coolers and things like that, the cooler thing's a big one. Cause like in the back of a Can-Am, like we're with our outfitting business down in the border of Mexico, um, you know, you have a cooler in the back of the Can-Am all the time. Well, it doesn't take too much if it's just one person, you know, to throw whatever. I, I drink um, an insane amount of water, for one. I also, you know, throughout the course of the day, obviously, um, depending on what you want to have in there, you have food, you have whatever. And then you actually have a weapon rack that'll fit a bow or a gun on the handlebars. So you can have everything in a very small day pack, um, and be very resourceful. So you can have all your kill kit and your game bags and everything else. And depending, you know, usually like a D bone mule deer, is 65 pounds of meat, you can get that, you know, easily on that bike from everything I've looked at and get that back out without even having to call for backup. Yeah, most definitely. And, and the, and the, and the gear and the accessories are really customizable. You know, like there's a cargo deck on the front, a cargo deck on the back, and it comes with sort of a rack to contain your gear if you want, but you can easily take that little rack off. So it's just a big flat deck. So if you, that's like the way I bring like tree stands and, and different size coolers. So, so things don't have to fit within that rack. If, if that makes sense, if anyone's looking at the site or looking at the bike and then even the bow rack or gun rack that, that, that can be, that can be put on the front deck that can be put on the back deck, or you can leave it on the handlebar. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of flexibility as far as the accessories go and you can kind of like gear up the bike to really fit your hunting style or like, you know, the gear that you really want to bring, which is cool. Cause it's like, it's so fun to hunt. Like we all hunt in our different ways and we all hunt different terrain. And, you know, like all of our goals are a little bit different as far as like the kind of experience we want to get out of these different hunts and to be able to like, to like look at your bike and go, okay, like I'm going to go do this hunt and, and, and hunt this terrain with this in, in this area with these kind of animals, you know, like what gear am I going to bring and how am I going to like, you know, gear up my bike so I can bring everything with me that I've always wanted to bring. And it's this awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, I mean, it just equals fun for me because I'm, I, I'm so passionate about bow hunting and my favorite bow hunts are like usually solo, usually in remote areas and usually multi-night hunts. So I, I, I just love gear and, you know, and, and it's really fun to be out in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere and have, and have, you know, sort of everything you really want to bring. And then, and then if you're successful, like, you know, packing your stuff back to your, back to your bike with the deer, <laughs> with the deer meat or the, you know, the elk meat or whatever it is and be able to pack everything out is amazing. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting when I get it. Obviously, it'll be a little bit more in the dead of, you know, winter. But I, I actually, 
you know, with where I live, um, you know, and I have five dogs, right? So having them chase my ass around, I'm not getting any younger, I guess is what I'm saying. So saving the knees a little <laughs> bit uh, isn't going to bother me either. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I'm looking at now is longevity, which is why I started looking at these already is, um, you know, I'll call it laziness. I'm, I'm going to just say it's because I'm trying to be smarter and get as much out of my, my body as I can. If I can cut four miles to get back to a place that I'm on a deactivated road, cut four miles off where I'm riding this in, you know, stash it, obviously hide the thing and then hike in, you know, that's a lot of benefits. And again, like when you're on a dirt bike, everyone knows where you're at. Um, you know, they're, they're not exactly quiet. So yeah, I, I'm excited. So what do you, um, you know, like with this, cause I'm looking, I only looked at the hunt addiction, but you got, you know, when I ordered, you guys actually make a few, and I popped up now because you've got a few other more slick, like slim down models as well, other than the hunt edition. Have there, are those very applicable? I, I would assume they probably don't have the, uh, I don't say payload, but the, the payload, I guess, probably is as much as is the hunt edition beefed up a little bit for more weight. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There's a, there's a couple of different bikes they offer that, that are, that are cool. You know, I mean, these, these, this, this company started in New Zealand. And, and these bikes were kind of developed for um, farms and ranches out there, you know, like for farm work. It's like a, you know, like a, like a work bike type of company. That's, that's its origins. Um, and then, yeah, now they're making, you know, bikes for street and, and they're, and they're starting to kind of, you know, come up with a bunch of different bikes now. Um, you know, they're just kind of starting re really in America. And, but, but yeah, this, I mean, they, you know, they have a two by two, which has like a lot of power and it's good off road, but it doesn't have like the capacity and it doesn't, it doesn't have a, a lot of the stuff that the, that the hunt bike uh, has. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're just really well made. I, I think, I think it'll be cool. Like if you do like love your bike, I would love to see like a little bit of like a gear review or something like that. Like to see how, how you're using your bike and like what you like about it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, people dig on that because, you know, if you're like where I was, um, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. I'm like, OK, well, I'll get this thing and I'll figure it out. When I say that, meaning what what I may intend to put something somewhere or how I have it set up in my mind may not be how it ends up. So videos like that are super, you know, helpful because, again, it's not a cheap, per, you know, purchase. Um, although I say that definitely not my buddy's downhill mountain bike is every bit as much as this e-bike um, <laughs> that, that he rides. But what you know, because you've got. um and I encourage like everybody as you're listening, just pop this up on the website and look at the the hunt edition for, you know, for me, when I, anytime I go out um, for day hunting, for example, the cooler portion of this is going to be a big one. And, you know, depending obviously how, what you have, you can strap your pack on the front and then you've got a giant, cause you're from Hawaii, a uh, bush, basically machete on there. Uh <laughs> Which I, I got to say, that's a got to be a total Hawaiian thing. You've got a giant uh, zombie killer on <laughs> the side of that. Um, yeah. But but having... I mean, you could put anything there, you know what I mean? Like, you could put anything. I, I think that was more of a, you know, it's just, just more of, like, showing showing that you're able to, like, modify your bike and put anything, you know, you sort of want on that rack. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's kind of what I was looking at is, okay, what can I strap here? What makes sense? Like, I mean, cause there's a lot of attachments. It's almost like, uh, like pals or Molly webbing on a pack. You can do just about anything yeah. with it. So yeah, once I get it kind of pimped out and built up, you know, what, what I think is going to work for me best, I'll definitely do that, you know, a video on cool. it. Um, aftermarket stuff, like, you know, any, like you get a truck and next thing you're lifting it and throwing lights on it or whatever, there's not a lot left to, to put on this from what it looks like. I would, I would imagine as far as tire wise, those tires are just something you could, I mean, they're standard tires. You can just go get pretty much anywhere. It looks like. Yeah, I think they are. I'm kind of going through here. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else on that. Well, with getting off the subject of the bikes, like on the hunting side of things, how long have you been hunting for? Man, I've been hunting, I'm 51 and I started hunting about, uh, I think I was, I was, you know, I think I was about 31. So I've been hunting about, about 20 years now. Yeah. And has this been uh, like Hawaii thing and then travel? Like, have you hunted all over the place now or do you, I mean, Hawaii is a target, yeah. target rich environment. So 
Yeah. So, so I started bow hunting in Hawaii. Um, you know, the, my, my, my initiation to hunting was, was, you know, I, I've, I've been a surfer my whole life and I lived by the ocean and Hawaii is pretty hot. And I always, I always kind of dreamed of living up on the mountain and, you know, there's a big mountain where I live. And, and so I, I, and I, I, I ended up, buying some property and building a house at 4,000 feet. And that's where I am now. So I'm way up on the mountain. And when I moved here, um, there's wild pigs everywhere. Like these really big boars, like these big forest boars where I live. And they would just dig up everything that I would try and plant around my house. And, and I had never hunted before. And one of my buddies gave me, Sorry. Um, one of my buddies gave me a gun and said, "Hey, man, if you shoot a couple of these pigs, like they'll like they'll get the hint that you don't want them around your house for a while." And so, and so I shot one one night with a with a gun, and I immediately realized that like guns just probably wasn't my thing. You know, like um, I don't have anything. I don't have anything against guns at all. I think guns are fantastic for filling the freezer, and I have a lot of friends who are you know, for rifle hunters and stuff, but it just wasn't for me, um, especially around like my, you know, where I live by my house and all that. And, and so like my neighbor was a bow hunter and I just met him right after that and he had an extra bow. And so we were like drinking beers over at his house and, and, you know, I started shooting his bow in the afternoons and I just fell in love with archery. I just thought it was so much fun. And then I started bow hunting right after that. And I just got really obsessed. Like, I fell in love with surfing at a really young age and I've been so passionate about surfing my whole life that I've, I considered myself so lucky to have such a crazy passion for something that I really never thought I would ever find anything else like that. And so when I found bow hunting, um, I just was like head over heels in love with it. Like I just couldn't do it enough. I wanted all the gear. I wanted, wanted to spend as much time as I possibly could. And I felt like, I felt like I had like missed such a huge opportunity because I found it pretty late in life when I was 31 and um, yeah, I just get really into it. And then I, you know, I, I have some friends who are hardcore bow hunters their whole lives. And so I started going elk hunting in, um, I started buying over the counter tags in Colorado and doing elk hunts every, every September um, like do it yourself back country, just horribly hardcore, hunting where like I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that can relate but you know the type of hunt where you know like you you like you drive to the trailhead with your map and you uh you like you get on foot with your pack full of all your gear for 10 days and and walk as far as you possibly can back there and and you know hunt hunt and and camp camp next to the to the highest water you could possibly find and then just you know hunt elk in in you know uh on a public over the counter tag. I did that for four years and then I, and I started hunting in Utah for elk and mule deer. And um, so I've hunted a lot of different places. I've also hunted in Australia. And um, so I've, I've, I've done a lot of hunting. I've, I've, I've tried to make up for lost time. Gotcha. So uh, you said you're a gear guy. Uh, I'm sure this is going to pop up. So what, uh, what's your bow set up right, right now? And do you have a local pro shop or are you having to do all this stuff on your own as far as working on your bow? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it's, you know, it's really difficult out here in Hawaii. We, we don't really have like bow technician. Like I, it's so cool. When I go to San Diego, sometimes I'll send my bow to, to the, to the, um, there's a shop that my buddy owns. He's actually a, a surfer. His, his name is Bob. Bob Brom. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bob and I are pretty close. Yeah, do you know him? Yeah, Bob's a, Bob's a nut. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's he's a wild dude. But I I met him and and so um and so yeah. Usually when I get a new bow, I'll send my bow to his shop and they'll get it all you know dialed for me and geared up. And um, but there's you know there's a couple of bow shops out here in Hawaii, but it's definitely not the same as it is as. as as it is where, like, I'm sure where you live. And then I think there's a place called archery country in Texas that is, is, is really good as well that my friends all go to, but yeah, just having, having like a great bow technician that, that can work on your bow. And like, I'm very not technical. So I just don't even try to uh, attempt to learn about tuning bows and getting all super technical with, with, with that kind of thing. I'm, I'm just, that that's just not the way my brain works. I just want to get my bow set up and I want to shoot a million arrows and go hunting. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I have a full pro shop at my house in a 120-yard range. Oh, wow. I'm on the other end of the yeah. spectrum where I, I like that I geek out on that. But um, right. no, I've known Bob for a, a while. He hunts with one of my buddies quite a bit. Um, he came down and hunted out dad with us, uh, with, with my buddy Scotty and uh, both oh, of those shops, cool. archery country, same thing. Those that they're both unbelievable um, pro shops and n- something you don't ever have to, uh, you don't have to worry about your bow. Um, you're right. gonna get amazing service going to both of those uh, shops for sure. Um I think that, uh, like on your end or whatever, do they, like, are you, sh- what bow are you shooting? I'm shooting a Matthews phase four. And I, I, have you went through it? Do you go through a new bow every year? Do you kind of stick with one or? No, I mean, I, you know, the first bow I ever bought was a Matthews and I didn't know anything about archery or bow hunting or anything. And there was no bow shop like anywhere near my house. And, and I didn't even know where to go. And I bought like this old bow with this janky weird um you know like the the rest was all this like weird modified rest i didn't know anything about it and then and then like slowly but surely i started you know like i bought like a new matthews after that when i got really into it and then yeah i've been getting matthews bows ever since and um yeah i've just been like a matthews guy and uh you know i usually get a new one like i i get just like i'm sure like a lot of your listeners out there i get I get really motivated when I get a new bow. And so it's a lot of fun to get a new bow and get it all set up and dialed and like learn to shoot that new bow. But then once you get one that you really love, it's really nice to really, really nice to, um, you know, to get really, really comfortable with that bow and like build that confidence. So like a bow every year, although that's a lot of fun. Um, I, and I also travel a lot, so I'm gone most of the year. And so, um, I don't get sick of my bow. Like, you know, like when I get home from a long surf trip or a lot of travel, I, and then it feels like my bow is brand new again, even though I've had it for a year. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I, again, I generally have two that are, I have a backup and a primary that I shoot, but then I'm horrible, man. I tinker constantly like veins and arrows and broadheads and rests. And so, I mean, I'm Jack, yeah. but I also try to do reviews for people as, as well, but you know, I, I, I will, awesome. well, I, I mean, it's cool. I mean, if you're into it, I mean, I, if it, it's weird, you know, what one, one person uh, is into and another person thinks it's horrible. Like if I had to go, uh, you know, work on a car, um, yeah, it probably would never run again. Like I'm not a mechanic, but, uh, I can change oil, <laughs> you know, I can change your tire, but, but with bows, I can strip right. anything down, put it back together. Um, well, like that's bro- so interesting. I can't relate at all. Cause that's just not how my bow, I, I mean, that's not, that's a that's not how my brain works i just have like no capacity for like little detailed like meticulous little thing it's it's just wild to me when someone can really dial in a bow and get everything super dialed on it oh 100 percent um well broadheads and stuff like that like would you shoot the same head for everything no well for elk i'll normally always shoot a fixed blade you know like a like a like a i don't know what you call it like a sit like a you know like a one-piece fixed blade like a I think the, uh, most of the elk I've killed, I've used a G5 striker. Does that sound right? Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's like a single piece of steel. That's usually what I use. I think it's like a striker or a, or a, um, I forget the other name of the other one that they have. But, but then like in Hawaii, um, you know, like where I live, there's a lot of rams and, and pigs and goats and deer. And they're smaller animals. Um you know, with smaller bones. And so, um, I'll normally shoot a lot of expandable broadheads. Yeah. But, but like, um, it's, it's funny. I'll normally have like a six arrow quiver and four of my arrows are expandable and two of them are fixed blades. And normally it's just because like where I hunt, there's a lot of tall grass. And so if I'm in range, but there's a little bit of grass in the way then I'll normally shoot a fixed blade. But if it's a completely clear shot, I'll, I'll, I will always shoot with a with an expandable. Yeah, and I've I've talked about that quite a bit on different podcasts, and I just actually finished up this insane, really pain in the ass broadhead review. I don't my editing guys beside me. How long did that podcast go, Jerry? The edit of the how long was the broadhead podcast? Uh, close to four hours. 
almost four hours. So there you go. It's boring. Um, oh, wow. The, uh, but we went through several different broadheads, pros and cons, but uh, we brought that up to there's, I used to do that constantly three, three fix or three mechanicals, two fixed, uh, you know, in my, in yeah. my quiver. So, um, are you yanking back a ton of pounds or 70, 75 or lower? Yeah, it's like 70 plus, you know, like when the, like, I think when my bows max out, it's like 72. Gotcha. And that's what I, you know, that's what I hunt with for sure. Oh. It's like, you know, like the majority, I, I would say like 95% of the hunting I do is for access deer here in Hawaii. Um, that's like pretty much all of all, all, that's like the only thing my family eats. Like that's, that's basically the only meat that we eat nowadays is, is access deer. Like they won't, for some reason, like my family won't eat any pigs. They won't eat goats. They won't eat sheep. And so I, there's, there's no real reason for me to, to go hunt those animals really anymore, even though they're, they're out, they are a lot of fun to hunt um, and they're invasive species. So you're encouraged to hunt them as much as possible. But I just love access deer, everything about them. I'm just upset that that's like the animal that I'm most obsessed with for sure. Well, they're definitely what I would say is the best tasting animal I've ever had, um, like by a stretch, like access deer always, in my opinion, the, the best. So they, they have, they have right. a good taste. <laughs> They really do. And, and they're just so they're, they're such beautiful creatures. Like they're, you know, like it's, it's funny that here, here in Hawaii, when I, when I hunt those, when I hunt those deer, like I'll get one and I'm always just so blown away. Like when I walk up to the deer, it's like someone just shampooed the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, like they're white on their bellies. Like there's never any dirt on it or mud on it or, or, you know, they, they just seem like there's no, there's no bugs or like nothing. They're just like pristine animals, and uh, and uh, they're so difficult to hunt. Here in Hawaii, it's not unusual to see a herd of like 200, and so like trying to get in bow range, um, you know, and make a great shot, and, and then they react to the shot so quickly, it's insane. Like very similar, I would say, very very similar to whitetail. Um, they're they're like they're like whitetails on crack. I've heard from my friends in the in the Midwest that have that have come out and hunted with me. No, I'd say that's true. And I've only shot a few axis deer and I, I've actually never hunted Hawaii, but I, I, they, whatever was in their DNA from getting run down by lions never left. Like they are <laughs> sketchy as shit. And so I've actually on the ones I've hunted, just got used to aiming, which some people not, not agree with this, but I aim mid body, uh, at the stomach line. Cause they always drop in and I pinwheel them. And that was, I mean, that was same with cracked out whitetails, like a mid body and sometimes two or three inches below the body line, you know, depending upon how cracked out they are. Cause generally they drop, you know, as they go to spring, they drop down right into the, you know, the, the that's arrow. Right. So now that's, that's, that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, with the, the surfing thing, getting off of hunting, you competed, which I think I, I, I I'd, I'd seen you either was on sports center or, outdoor channel or something at, at different times. And I knew your name, but you competed professionally and then you shifted to like big wave riding. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So how does that, uh, how's that work for a redneck like me that doesn't, doesn't know surfing? Is that off style and or what, how's, how's that go? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's really difficult to explain, to be honest. It's so weird. Like when people, ask me what I do for a living for the last 30 years, I've had a hard time explaining what I do for a living. And, and so, yeah, so for about 12 years, I competed full time. So, you know, I, 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 I traveled around the world following a tour of, of events that at the end of the year, someone wins a world title um, and there's, and there's prize money and sponsorship and all that stuff. And then, and then I quit doing that and shifted gears to being basically like, um, I don't know how you would, you would even explain that, but like a professional, um, like a, like a professional free surfer. And so I still had all my sponsorships. So, you know, I have, I have a bunch of brands that I work with that are sponsors. Um, and essentially like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing my job when I'm getting them exposure. I'm, I'm doing my job when I'm say I'm on like on television or in magazines or in the media and all that stuff. That means I'm doing my job, but yeah, I, I basically focused on surfing really big waves. And so I was, you know, w watching the swells around the world. And so I was like, if a huge swell popped up on a map that was 
going to Portugal or going to uh, Tahiti or Fiji or Southern Australia or, you know, Northern California, if the, if the swell was like going to be one of the best and biggest of the year, then I would just like last second pack all my bags and pack my boards and I would jump on a flight and go there and try and surf that swell. So I, I was basically uh, chasing storms around the world, which is um, very strange. Right. But, um, but it, it is a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, no, I bet. And I, I, I mean, it's so like, obviously, Hey, what do you do for a living? And it's like, uh, you know, I, I kind of hunt and I teach people how to hunt and survive and right. Yeah. I don't fuck. I don't, I work in the outdoor industry. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, it is, especially I'm sure well, I surf for a living, but I would imagine like endorsement contracts and things are big in that world as well. Just like any, uh, you know, any like well-known sport or whatever else, um, I'm guessing on that. Was that something that you get like monetary benefits on like endorsement contracts as well? For sure. Yeah, you do. That's, 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 that's basically where, where all the money is, is like in, 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 you know, like in sponsorships and endorsements. Um, but it's a, that's a difficult game, you know, like whenever you're getting paid to do what you love and like you're working with brands, it's like the, you have the least job security on the planet, you know? So, um, and so every, you know, I mean, there's always like a, like a younger, better, faster kid who's coming up that wants your job, obviously. So I've been very fortunate. I, I'm 51 and I still get paid to go surfing, which is wild. Um, I still have a lot of brand deals and, and sponsorships and it's, you know, like, like you really have to learn to play the game. You have to learn to work with these brands and, and, you know, and, and the, the, these days, the name of the game is content. So it's like you, you consistently have to put out quality content, you know, and, and um, yeah, the th- things have shifted a lot over the last, you know, 15, 15 years or so. Yeah. I would, I would imagine like everything's changed. Well, social media changed everything probably for everyone. It certainly has changed the, yeah. the, the hunting world. And, and uh, you know, if you get used to it, it's cool. But I mean, some people just don't like their life shown to the world or whatever. And, you know, with what, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, with what, I mean, with the place you're in and what you're doing, I mean, you've got a lot, you know, kind of like where we're at in Wyoming, there's constantly something cool going on, right? I mean, there's something that the rest of the world probably wants to see, but then, you know, if you're not used to it, it's like, oh shit, I got to get my camera out. And do people really want to know that I'm cooking axis deer? Like I've been like, I got kind of blasted at one point because I don't show me eating wild game when I consume at least 500 pounds for, I don't say at least, at least 400 myself every year. So I'm like, all right, so now I'm out there filming the trigger with, you know, steaks on it. And I'm like, eating mountain goat tonight, things that I normally didn't 20 years ago think I'd ever do. So is it, has it been like that for you where you're like, wow, I just never thought I'd be doing this. Most definitely. And it was, a, it was a long adjustment period that I would say it hasn't, hasn't, hasn't fully ended yet. Um, you know, when social media first started really happening, it was a kind of a, one of those slowly then suddenly things where, you know, I think everybody felt like they didn't have to do it. But like with my job with surfing and exposure and brands and getting these brand deals, it was pretty apparent pretty quickly that I either had to get on board with the social media thing or, um, or, or be left behind. And so I, I've, I've slowly but surely learned how to, how to be able to, you know, share my life reluctantly. I'm, I'm not the best at sharing my life, but that's just part of the deal. If you, if you want to be a professional athlete these days, you have to be on social media platforms and you have to be able to share your life in an authentic way. And, and, and over time it's, it's like, I've learned to kind of enjoy it and, 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 and share what I really want to and, 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 and still keep, you know, a large part of my life pretty private. Um, but the hunting thing is pretty funny because, you know, I, I surf for a living. And so, and so most of my deals are, are surf related, but then I have these kind of overlap things. Like I'm like, I, like I, uh, I'm, I'm a brand ambassador for Yeti and I, and, and Yeti loves that, that I, I surf, but really they, you know, I, I've been with them for like eight or nine years now. And, and, and really the reason that I'm with Yeti is because I'm a bow hunter. And so, and so it's pretty funny because there's like a lot of overlap there. And so I started sharing kind of hunting content um, on my social media and stuff. And, and a lot of people get really um, upset with me because the, you know, like the, the majority of the people who follow me, especially back in the day, were all surfers. And uh, 
surfers there's a lot of like kind of tree hugger surfers that want to save the planet and um they think like harming any kind of animals is bad and you know the whole that whole you know general consensus of that and and like normally those people are 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 like the the ones that are most the most outspoken are the most ignorant and you know they're usually like 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 texting horrible comments while eating a cheeseburger you know and yeah and so for me it's been an, an interesting um, experience of like, you know, like what I do share is normally like, like I'll normally sh- share my experience, like, you know, where I'm hunting or how I'm hunting or, or like, um, you know, in the tree stand or, or, you know, where I'm camping. And then usually, usually there's no like dead animal in my photos or videos. And, and then I'll, I'll move straight to like, you know, sh- sh- sharing the, sharing like my, my, my meat processing and my meat care. And then like sharing the meals with people and how, how I'm cooking, what I'm cooking. No, that's a good idea. I mean, it's good to do that. And you always want to put your best foot, you know, forward because we kind of get crapped on as hunters uh, enough without, uh, you know, shooting holes in the bottom of our, our own boat at the same time. Uh, right. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I know different like celebrity TV stars that I've, I've I say I know that I, I'm acquaintances with at a limited level. And then I watch them get bashed if they post that they killed an elk and it it is weird how hypocritical some of that is because as again like you said they're killing their their uh you know they're killing it with a paycheck so to speak or a wallet or a, a whatever their checkbook so they'll go in and buy beef all day and it's totally fine or chicken or turkeys i right. guess chicken and turkeys don't have a soul but if if i go shoot a, a deer on my own I'm, I'm a bad person so it's getting like info and knowledge out and letting people know how kind of the circle of life works is important while it is very difficult with some people that will just not hear it. So it, it, I would imagine you're in a bad position as far as that goes. Yes, I am. (laughs) But, you know, I I think, I think that like 95% of the people are pretty open-minded, especially when, when they start learning about like the kind of hunter that you are and that you, you, you know, like you eat what you kill and, and you're empathetic to the animals. And like, I, I, I love animals. I, I love animals just as much as anyone else. And I feel, I feel a sadness every time I walk up to a deer that I've, that I've, that I've taken with my bow. Um, but I also, you know, eat every single piece of meat off that animal that I possibly can. And my, and you know, like both my kids eat deer all the time and my, my wife eats venison every single day. So I'm really proud of the fact that my freezer is filled with meat that I got on my own. And it's, it's been fun to kind of educate some, some of my, the people who follow me on social media, who, who, who are non hunters and, 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 and some that are even vegans that, that have come to you know, like learn, learn to respect the lifestyle and the fact that we're out there trying to be as ethical as we can, um, you know, and the fact that we, we, you know, get our own meat like ourselves and, and, you know, it's such a, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to be, to, to go out and, you know, hunt and like get an animal and like bring it home and have your whole family be eating it and be able to share with your family and friends. Um, you know, like when I get an elk, um, you know, I'll, I'll like, I'll, like I'll be, you know, handing out, elk me to everybody you know, you know that i know it's, it's amazing it's so much fun to be able to to share but yeah the, I, I think that i think the journey of of uh sharing stuff on social media about our hunting lives has been has been kind of a wild ride but it, but you know it, it is neat to have to have people like reach out and go hey i'm i'm not a hunter and i i really can't relate to i never want to kill an animal but you know i you know i have a lot of respect for the the way you do it and what you do out there you know, and the fact that you're like, you know, really like obsessed with the meat care part of it, trying to like waste, waste none of the animal and like make sure everything is, you know, dialed as far as like getting the meat out of there in the, in the, in the best way. And, and yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a, it, it is a, it is a little bit of a difficult thing, but um, it's been, it's been good and educational for me along the way for sure. Yeah. Well, I can only, I can only imagine. Um, but it's good to have people in your position, you know, speaking intelligently about, uh, you know, hunting and, and, you know, showing everyone how it actually works but rather than, again, there's some people always shooting a hole in the, the bottom of the boat, which we don't want. Uh, so, uh, well, I, I don't want to keep Well, I you- think we've kind of, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say like, I, I think like since, since I've started hunting, we've kind of come full circle from this like 
real like negative um, angle of like all oh, these hunters are killing animals and I don't know you know there there seems like there was so much negativity like 15 years ago and now it's really come full circle where people are really much more focused about sourcing their food like people are more interested in what they're putting in their mouths and the, the health acts the health aspects and the longevity and a lot of the updated science is supporting like a, a lot more meat in your diet and especially clean like lean meats and so like the i think a lot of people have come around to where they're they're they're, they're either starting to hunt or wanting to start or just really jealous that they're not like living in a place where hunting is a real thing so i i think things have shifted in a positive way for hunting for sure it's it seems to and it's getting better and guys like yourself and rogan and you know others are, are definitely you know helping uh that along which is great and uh it's it's you know if you walk into yeah. a catholic church and preach catholicism you're really not helping everybody's already there right and you guys are able to reach to to people that aren't uh you know in the crowd like you know with my crowd the only time i ever help is you know usually photography or photographers where you've got a way broader broader platform which is awesome so that's cool. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to keep you on all day, man. I know you're busy, which we found we're both really busy. It was uh, like a couple <laughs> monkeys with a Rubik's Cube trying to get a hold of each other. Every time I'm like, you got to be shitting me. Like three minutes ago, I thought I could have talked for 20 and then you'd call. I'd be like, well, I can't talk to him now. So I, I know you got a lot. Going yeah, on. yeah, it's been funny. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's always fun to talk about hunting and, and yeah. Um, I mean, one of these days we've got to link up for hunt. You've got to come out and visit and we've got to go, got to go chase some access deer with our bows. No, that would be uh that'd be awesome. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt my wife's feelings. I'm sure to actually take a vacation, even if it was a huntcation, if it was in Hawaii. So, um, I appreciate it. Same thing. Get you hunt, come down, hunt out dad or mule deer or something. We'll, we'll link up and talk when uh, the season kind of calms down a little bit, maybe for next year. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for all the info on the, the bike as well. I, I, I'm super excited. I don't get excited about gear as much as I used to, and I'm super excited about this thing. So thank you for the help with that as well. No worries, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I can't wait for you to get it and keep me posted on it. Yeah, I will for sure. So, um, I guess everybody, I, what is your, if you want to check out the, the bikes and, and your social media page, things like that, where, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, I only have Instagram really. And mine is Shane Dorian. It's S H A N E D O R I A N. Um, and then if you want to check out the bikes, go to Ubco, it's U B um and if you scroll down it'll say you know hunt bike uh check it out so yeah so it's, it's a fun bike hope, hope hopefully you guys can try them out and um i'll keep sharing stuff on my social right i have, have a couple hunts planned with the bike so i'm um I'm, I'm super excited i can't wait to get back out there Heck yeah. Well, cool. Right on, man. Thank you again for all the help. Thanks for hopping on here. Everybody check. It's UBCO. Uh, check out that company. Um, and yeah, I think you'll be impressed. So thanks again, man. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Aaron. Yep.